Stand with me this morning if you're excited about the Word of the Lord. I'm excited about the message today. I love the practical truths of God's Word. Amen? I'm so glad that, that the Word of God tells us how to get to heaven. And I'm going to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'm excited about going to heaven, but I don't necessarily want to go today. And the rapture would be all right, but I'm not really ready to lay down and, you know, and die and go. But I'm, I'm excited about the fact that the, the Word of the Lord uh, gives us so much practical uh, wisdom on how to live our lives today. It doesn't just teach us how to get to heaven uh, in the sweet by and by, but it helps us uh, to have a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. And it helps, helps us to, uh, to, to know how to live a better, uh, abundant, joy-filled, successful life. Aren't you glad for the Word of the Lord? Amen. Well, today we're looking in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 7. The book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 7. We're going to read verses 27 and 28 this morning. Are you ready? The Bible says that if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. For those of you that are married, you're not living in sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. Isn't that exciting? We've got newlyweds sitting right over here. What are you guys doing here this morning? <laughs> Starting out your marriage correctly, amen? Well, I'm just going to tell you according, yeah, come on, yeah. I'm going to tell you what Paul said, you're going to have troubles. It says, those who get married will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. Thank you for your incredible, infallible, supernatural, miraculous word. God, I pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message, upon the messenger. Lord, today, give us ears upon our heart. Uh, Lord, to hear the word, God, not only hearing, but Lord, when we leave here, help us, Lord, to do what we have received from the word of the Lord, Father, so our lives can be impacted and blessed. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, for those of you that are new to the Grace Place, we are in a series I'm calling Home Improvement. With the average marriage today lasting only seven years and 50% of couples getting married also getting divorced, I think we, should, we could use some home improvement. The marriage experts tell us that the three biggest issues in marriage are communication, sex, and finances. So how many know that if we are in a series called Home Improvement, if we are in a series about marriage and about home, and if the three biggest issues in marriage are communication, sex, and finances, we ought to address these three three, uh, things this morning. How how many would agree with me? Now, many counselors today say that finances is number one. That out of the three biggest issues of marriage, that finances is absolutely number one. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about finances, and especially as they relate 
to marriage. Now, for those of you that don't think it is very spiritual to talk about money, I want to just remind you that Jesus talked more about finances than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Jesus. So how many know that, that, that if Jesus thought it was so important to, uh, to talk about money, that he talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined, how many know that we ought to be talking about it in the church? In fact, Jesus said that if we cannot even manage our own finances, he said, how in the world could we handle the true riches of the kingdom? Well, there are three things that I want to talk to you about today concerning finances. And the first thing I'd like to talk about this morning, we'll talk about some reasons for financial issues in marriage. There are there, there will be financial, financial issues in marriage. What are some of the reasons? We're going to talk about that, first of all, this morning. In the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, and yet no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Let me read that last part. The Bible says, and he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. This is a perfect description of most Americans today. Their money falls out of their pocket as fast as they place it in their pocket. So for a few moments this morning, I want to suggest five reasons or five causes for financial issues in marriage as well as in life in general. So so everything that we've been talking about in this this series, even if you're not married, there are principles that that work across the board. So don't, don't tune me out because you're not married because these financial principles, what we're talking about, will work in every aspect of life. Now, this is, not an, this is not an all-inclusive list, but it covers the major ones. The first reason for financial issues in marriage is, is mom and dad's example. Mom and dad's example. Now, now I'm not blaming our parents. That's not what, what I'm doing. I'm not blaming our parents for, for our financial issues. What I'm saying is, that a married couple was raised by two separate sets of parents. And what they know or don't know about finances when they get married is what they have learned from watching their parents handle or mishandle their finances. For example, I was raised middle class by a mom and a dad. My wife, on the other hand, was raised by a single mom with no help from her dad. I never knew what it was like to really need anything. Um, uh, although I had to work very, very hard to supply all of my, or, or most of all of my wants, but my mom and my dad supplied all of my needs. Now, my wife, on the other hand, knew what it was like to not have all her needs met. She knew what an empty food cabinet looked like. She, she knew what it was like when the money ran out before the month did. Her mom did the very best that she possibly could as a single mom, as a single parent, but they definitely had 
struggles. See, so when two people who are raised in two different financial environments get married, financial issues can easily arise. For example, when a, when a girl who was raised like a princess by her well-to-do father marries her Prince Charming, uh, who cannot provide her with the same luxuries that her rich daddy did. How many know that financial issues will probably arise? Because daddy probably will want his credit card back from his little princess at the wedding. Let's look at another reason for financial issues in marriage. How about misconception of money? Misconception of money will cause financial issues in marriage. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Here's what we need to understand. Money is not our source. Money is not our source. God is our source. Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. Jesus said that you have to choose who your God is going to be. You're going to have to choose who your source is going to be. Is it God or is it money? Now we need to understand that money in and of itself is neither good nor evil. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is actually three things. Money is actually three things. Number one, it's a tool. Money is a tool. It's a means used to buy and sell. But not only is money a tool, number two, it is a test. Money is a test. See, see what we do with our money says a lot about us. See, I can meet you for the very first time, know nothing about you, have heard nothing about you, but I can, in five minutes, I can tell a whole lot about your life. And the way I would do that would be to look at your bank statement. Because what we do with our money says a lot about us. It reveals what our priorities are. It reveals what we truly value. Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Or in other words, Jesus said that we invest our money in what we totally and truly love. But not only is money a tool and it's a test, but it is also, number three, it's a testimony. It's a testimony. See, see, you can say that you love something all day long, but if you aren't willing to invest your money in it, you really don't love it. So money becomes an issue in marriage when there is a difference in how a husband and wife perceives money. When one maid understands what money really is and the other has a misconception of money, how many understand that there will be issues in that marriage? Notice another reason for financial issues in marriage, and that is mismanagement. This is a biggie. Mismanagement. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury. But it goes on to say that fools spend whatever they get. See, this is perhaps the number one reason for financial issues in marriage. Mismanagement. 
See, the amount is not usually the real problem. The amount is not usually the real problem. Now, if you're working for minimum wage and you have a family, it's your problem. It is a a real problem for you. But for most people, the amount is not usually the real problem. Most people think they have an income problem, but most do not. They have an outgo problem. They have a management problem. One man said his problem was his outgoing income. Here's the, way, here's the way I see it. If your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. So most people's financial problems stem from mismanagement. They have so, so many payments that the money is already spent before they even get paid. They try to keep up with the Joneses, but what they don't understand is the Joneses are in debt up into their eyeballs. What they don't understand, they are trying to keep up with the Joneses, but the Joneses are simply playing make-believe. Did you know that most Americans today are playing make-believe? Most Americans today are playing dress-up. They cannot afford the house that they live in. They cannot afford the cars that they are driving. They cannot afford the places that they are going and the places where they are eating. And so they mortgage themselves right into bankruptcy just so they can appear to look successful. When the truth of the matter is they are just playing dress-up. They are simply playing make-believe. Because the average American today is broke and in debt. Who wants to be Average. In most households today, people are robbing Peter to pay Paul. No wonder 50% of homes are falling apart today. All right, let's look at yet another reason for financial issues in marriage, and that is misunderstanding. Couples should sit down and have a clear discussion of how their money will be spent. And they should come to terms, they should probably, they will probably have to make a compromise as to what they want to do with the majority of their money. Do they want to live in it? Is that what they want to do with their money? They want to live in it? Well, then they can have the big house. What do they want to do with their money? Do they want to live in it? Do they want to drive it? Do they want to eat it? Do they want to play with it? Take exotic vacations and, you know, have all the... All the play, play things, you know, all the, all, all the gadgets and the doodads and, you know, all the different wheels that go, wheels go round and round and all of those kinds. Well, 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 they need to sit down and decide uh, and make a focus as to what they want to do with, with, with their money. Uh, or, or do they want to save and invest it for their future? What do they want to do with their money? Do they want to give it? Do they want to be able to be generous? With God, obedient to God in tithing and generous with God in offering and generous with their family and friends and people in in, in need? What do they want to do with their 
their money. They need to ask questions like this. What brings the most satisfaction and fulfillment to their life? Because whatever it is that brings the most satisfaction and fulfillment in your life, that ought to be the direction that you are aiming your money. Here's something very practical. It's in your notes. Couples should agree on an amount they can spend without consulting their partner. And anything over that amount, then you should at least call or sit down and discuss it and decide whether or not you're going to spend the money or, or not. See, a good understanding of what they will and won't do with their money will help keep financial issues to a minimum. How many can see that this morning? All right, let's look at one more reason for financial issues in marriage before we move on, and that is misappropriation. One of the biggest causes, one of the biggest reasons for financial uh, issues uh, uh, in life and also in marriage is misappropriation. You see, people misappropriate money every single day, and they're not even aware that that is exactly what they are doing. How many know that people can go to jail, people can go to prison for misappropriating funds? Try that at work and see how it works for you. But every single day, people are misappropriating money and they're not even aware that that's exactly what they're doing. Let me suggest three ways people misappropriate their money. Now, I'm just going to warn you this morning, you might want to fasten your seatbelts because there will be turbulence ahead. The first one is spending money you don't have. If you spend money that you don't have, you are misappropriating money. Who in the world was the genius that came up with the idea of the credit card? Why would anyone think it's a good idea to spend money you do not have? To mortgage your future in order to gratify your wants and your wishes for today. And MasterCard was actually blatant enough a few years ago to air a commercial that said, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it. See, when a person spends money they do not have, they are actually misappropriating money. Somebody say, ouch. Here's another way that people misappropriate money every single day, and that is by overspending on non-essentials. See, see some people's vision statement for life is, is going broke one Starbucks latte at a time. See, see, it's not always the big expenditures that get us into trouble, but often it is the little ones done too often. Too many little little non-essential items added all together over time becomes big expenditures. So when you overspend on non-essentials to the point where you don't have the money for essentials is actually misappropriation of money. 
People misspend money on non-essentials and then, and then when it's time to make the car payment or it's time to pay the rent, they cannot pay the rent and they need somebody to, pay, to help them pay the rent when the truth of the matter is they need help paying rent because they have misappropriated funds. They have spent too much money on non-essential items throughout the month and when it came time to pay the big ticket item, there was no money or not enough money in order to do it. Oh, I, I, I expect to be in trouble after today like I was after the sex sermon, but it's all right. It's okay, I'll, I'll take the heat because it'll help somebody. I can't tell you how many older people come to me when I preach something like this or, and they say, man, I wish I'd heard this 30 years ago or 40 years or 50 years ago. Well, listen, I'm sorry that you didn't hear it then. It may be too late for some of you, but please, please allow me to, to, to preach these things, even though it may not exactly relate to you because it will relate to your kids. It will relate to your grandkids. And so love your grandkids and you love your kids enough that you will allow me to address some issues that may not be your issue, but they're issues still in your family that will help your family. Amen. All right, one more. Misappropriation of money, that is when you rob God. Robbing God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 8 through 12 talks about tithing. And the Bible says that if you do not tithe, that you are robbing God. Refusing to tithe and give offerings is misappropriation of funds. When you go on vacation with the tithe money, you are misappropriating funds. When you're helping your kid out financially with the tithe money, instead of putting it in the storehouse, you are misappropriating funds. (laughs) I'm really going to be in trouble. God calls it stealing. Now, I'm too nice to call it that. But that's what God calls it. God promises provision and protection to tithers. Tithing is the greatest investment you can make. Pastor, pastor, do you have any uh, investment strategies for us? I certainly do. Tithe and give offerings. Tithe and get under the blessing. Tithe and get out from under the curse. Tithe and have God's blessing, God's provision, and God's protection. All right, we've talked about some reasons for financial issues in marriage. Now let's talk about some reactions to financial issues in marriage. And I'm going to suggest five. The first reaction to financial issues in marriage is denial. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty and haughtiness before a fall. See, sometimes a spouse will stick their head in the sand and and deny that there is a financial issue. They hope that if they don't talk about the issue, that it will somehow magically disappear. It will somehow magically go away. And so sometimes pride keeps them from admitting the problem. Another reaction to financial issues in marriage is debate. Stress caused by financial issues will cause a mate to anger easily. 
They will become short. They will become rude. They will become harsh with their mate. And they become like a ticking time bomb. The real issue is finances, but it bleeds over into every other issue. Another reaction to financial stress in marriage is debt. Some choose to deal with their financial issues by going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. They give themselves some temporary relief by borrowing more money or by taking out another credit card. But the problem is temporary relief just means they have a bigger financial mountain to climb in their future. Romans 13 and 8 says to be in debt to no one. And Proverbs 22 and 7 says that the borrower is the servant of the lender. Let me just tell you that debt has never been a blessing to anyone. Another one is deception. Deception. Some spouses try to deceive their mate. They do this by hiding debt or taking out credit cards without their spouse's knowledge. Host of other ways and means. Proverbs 13 and 7 says, some who are poor pretend to be rich. We talked about it a minute ago, but it's okay to play dress up. It's okay to play pretend if you're five. But it's not okay to play dress up and it's not okay to play pretend if you're 25 or 35 or 45 or 55 or 65. And the last one is depression. Some people react to their financial issues by going into depression. And depression can cause you to totally shut down in every single area if it gets bad enough. These are five of 50 reactions to financial issues in marriage. Aren't you glad I gave you five and not 50? All right. We talked about some reasons for financial issues. We talked about some reactions to financial issues. Now let's talk a little bit about what I'm calling realignment of finances. Realignment of finances. Proverbs 21 and 5 says that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Another way to say this would be develop a financial plan, then work your plan. I'd like to just pause here for just a moment. I would like to refer you to our church website where you can listen to an entire series that I taught on finances. It's called Biblical Principles for Financial Success. I don't have time in this sermon this morning. I don't have time in this series to say all that I need to say and all that I want to say on finances. So I encourage you that if you need help in this, in this area of finances, go to the website and pull up that teaching. There's an entire series of teaching and series of lessons. And listen to that. Listen to it together and do what it says. And I promise you it will help you. I do want to take the time this morning to say two things about realignment of finances. And the first one is prioritize your money. Prioritize 
your money. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, if you'll put God first in your life in every single area, it says, place God first in your life in every single area. And if you do this, the Bible says, God will make sure that you have every single thing that you need. If you will have your priorities right in finances, God will make sure that all of your needs are met. It's a promise of the word of the Lord. Don't forget that money is a tool, it's a test, and it's a testimony. And don't forget that how you spend your money reveals what's in your heart. See, 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 see don't, don't say that you love your wife and complain about it, what it costs to be married. Don't say that you love your kids, then refuse to pay child support if you're divorced. And don't stand and raise your hands and sing you're a good, good father, and then turn your head when the offering bucket comes by. Prioritize your money. Now, I've given this to you before, but, but, but I have tried and I cannot improve it, so I'm going to give it to you again, just as I've given it to you in the past. Four things that you need to do with your money. The first thing you need to do with your money is you need to sow some. Sow some. Pay your tithe and, give gen- and be generous with offerings. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6 says, If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you are going to reap generously. Three laws of the harvest. You reap what you sow. Plant corn, reap. Plant wheat, reap. You reap what you sow. Number two, you reap more than you sow. If you didn't reap more than you sowed, there wouldn't be any reason to sow, right? You reap more than you sow. You sow because you're wanting a harvest. So you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. Some people say, well, I'll try that tithing. They try it three times, and it don't seem to work for them. You reap later than you sow. You don't reap it all in one day. You don't reap it all in one week. You don't reap it all immediately. Four things you should be doing with your money. Number one, you should sow some. Number two, you should save some. That's an awful idea. Most Americans have forgot about that. You save some. Pay yourself, not just others. Why is it that you do all the work and everybody else gets all the money? You put in your 40, 50, 60 hours in the week and, and the paycheck comes, but you don't get any of it because, you know, you know the car payment, you know, the money goes for the car payment, the house payment, the light bill, you know, uh, the doctor, uh, the medicine, uh, the food, you know, all the, you know, Starbucks, all those things. Everybody else gets the money. You don't get any of it. Don't sound fair to me. So after you sow some, you should save some. Pay yourself. After you pay God 10, 15, 20%, whatever it might be, 30, 40, 50%, wherever you're at, you ought to pay yourself. If you give God 10%, you ought to give yourself 10%. Save some. Pay yourself, not just others. 
Invest some of what you save. First of all, when you're starting to save, get you a, a little nest egg. Get you a little emergency fund because emergencies are going to come. But after you get your emergency fund in place, then save some. Invest. Then when you get a nice little savings, then begin to invest some of what you save. Third thing you should do with your money is spend some. Notice it's number three. Not number one. Fools. Spend first. We read about it a moment ago. Fools spend whatever they get. The amount's not usually the problem. If they make a five hundred dollars a week, they they spend five, six, seven hundred dollars a week. They make a thousand a week. They pay, they spend eleven, twelve, whatever. No spending is not one. It's not two. It's three. Spend some. Use wisdom in your spending. Spend in accordance to your income. Somebody a while back was wanting me to do something with them, and I said, wait a minute, you don't understand. I'm in a different zip code than you're in. This is normal for you. It's not normal for me in my zip code. You've you've lost it. You don't know. Not everybody is in that 2% bracket. Spend in accordance to your income. And then, and, then, and then I'm not a rocket scientist, but I've, you know, I've just been really, really working on something profound to say and something deep, so you will be impressed with how smart your pastor is. And here it is. Are you ready for it? Spend less than you make. Well, that's not, that's not very deep. Well, it must be because nobody's doing it. I must have just come up with it because nobody's living that way. Spend less than you make. And pay cash for everything but your house. And if you can't pay cash for something you want, that just simply means it's not time to buy it yet. Doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with what you want. Doesn't mean that there's something wrong with what you're wanting to buy. There might be, but that in and of itself doesn't mean that. But if you cannot pay cash for something you want, it just simply means it's not time to buy it yet. Save until you have the money saved up to purchase what you want with cash. Say cash. It's all right. I wasn't expecting that to go over too well. Just live the way you want to live. But you're going to have the information. And I can improve your life. Well, I can't, but this word can, and that's what I'm teaching. Is this word. Amen. Amen. And then finally, save some. I mean, share some. Say this with me this morning. More is not all for me. See, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, If someone has enough money to live well, and they see a brother or a sister that has a need, but they show no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, it says, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. We're talking about the realignment of our finances right now. Prioritize your money. And prioritize it this way. First, sow some. Second, save some. Third, spend some. And fourth, share some. 
And after you prioritize your money, then prevent future financial issues. Prevent future financial issues. You say, how do you do that? You do this by doing two things. Are you still with me this morning? You do that, you prevent future financial issues by doing these two things. Number one, understand the major causes of your financial issues. Understand the major causes of your financial issues. Discover what's causing the hole in your pocket. And one of the ways that you can do this is by writing down every single penny that you spend. And if you will do this for a month, you will be surprised where your money is being spent. You say, Pastor, I don't have enough money. Yes, most of you do. Most of you do, but you have a hole in your pocket. And it's going out of your pocket as soon as it goes in. You are misappropriating money. So understand the major causes of your financial issues. The way you do that is writing down every single, I know it's difficult, I know it's not fun, but if you will write down every single penny that you spend over a month, you will soon be surprised because patterns of spending will soon be evident. It will also be the best financial month you've had in a long, long time because you'll think about it. Your car will head to the drive-thru at Starbucks, and then you'll remember, i got to write this down, and you'll take a go the other way. (laughs) You will discover where the holes in your pockets are. So, and then after you understand the major causes of your financial issues, then undo, undo these major causes. See, the problem with most Christians today is, is they come in and they get a word from the Lord and, and they go, wow, pastor was good today. Man, that was a good word today. Man, that was awesome. And then they fold their Bible and they never think about it ever again the rest of their life. Let me know that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Some of you are old enough to remember the old TV show, Hee Haw. Doc, it hurts when I do this. Then don't do that. Undo these major causes. Amen. If I get the worship team back and also the prayer team in place this morning, please. Three biggest issues in marriage are communication, sex, and financial issues. Many financial or family, uh, many family counselors say that financial issues is number one. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you willing to lose your mate because of a financial issue? Are you willing to lose your soulmate, the love of your life, over money? Really? It can and it does happen. Don't let it happen to you. 
I encourage you to pull up the financial teaching series online and listen to it together as a couple. I encourage you to sit down and fill in the notes. I encourage you to sit down and make a budget together. I, 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 I challenge you to... I challenge you to write down every single dollar, every single dime that you spend for a month, and it will astound you, and you will be disturbed, and you will even be upset at yourself when you find out where the hole is in your pocket. Get some help if you need it. Make this investment in your marriage. Isn't your marriage worth this investment?